Welcome to Chucked. This is part two of our discussion about Brad Pitt and success and the second half of life. And today, can you be successful and be good? Is it possible? This is a continuing experiment of observation by the other part of the Chucked duo, Austin Charles. I uh, first of all got to say I'm very, very interested in Courtney Taylor. Hmm. I really want to hear more from Courtney Taylor. So if you, geez, you are, Uh, if you become Courtney Taylor, I'm going to be really, really, really uh, He's got two first names. (laughs) He's that guy. true. Yeah, he's He's that guy. He's got two first names. So if you missed last Uh, episode, you just got to listen to it just to hear about Courtney Taylor. And we're talking about a GQ article that came out this week, an interview with Brad Pitt. You know, there's some people, it's like, it's like Tom Hanks, you know, Brad Pitt. I just know that I would like the guy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, it's like, I, I, part of what makes them good or what they do is. He was a great is, baseball player, I guess, growing up. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. I remember reading that when he did Billy Bean in Moneyball, but I just, just a guy that you just would like. And, um. Side note, he's, he's in my favorite movies of all time. The, the my the, what I my, my my favorite movies of all time are Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen. Those to me are the are the, are are my greatest films I've ever seen, and um, I have the deluxe collector's edition on DVD. Um, second favorite one would be Francis Ha. What that's a good question for you. My second favorite movie of all time is Francis Ha. If you haven't seen it, it is the most charming, joyfully heartbreaking movie you'll ever you'll ever watch there's a, the protagonist Francis is her name is just a train wreck and she Greta Gerwig wrote it and stars in it and I don't know if she directed it or not but she's kind of a, a female Woody Allen prodigy it's in black and white it's great what's your second favorite movie of all time everyone knows your first but no one ever hears your second favorite yeah um, for our listeners who are joining us now my first is Jaws my second is Jaws, and my third is Jaws. So we have to go to fourth. Um, Not Jaws you know, the two. The first thing that comes across, and it, it because it intersects for me with my faith, is is I kind of qualify it by whenever I see it's on or I'm channel surfing or something, I stop, even though I can quote it. Let me guess. Can I guess? Yes. A brother where art thou? No, not a no. brother where art thou. That would be that would be in my comedy list. Brothers. That would be in the top ten. Uh, Forrest Gump. It it just mm. because it's about a dumb guy loving, you know, and it just is so simple mm. that Forrest loved well. And then there's this the whole baby boomer, the music, it's seventies yeah. music. It's it's just it, the movie. Everything I love, you know, about that genre is is. Yeah, you know, that would probably be number two, but you know, Braveheart is up there and Gladiator is up there. I mean, these movies that inspire me. Um just because it's Jaws, Jaws Two would be up there, even though it's not a great film. I went to see it three times in a row when I was sixteen. Like I just literally the day came out, June sixteenth, nineteen seventy eight. I went to see the first showing, then I turned around and went and saw the second showing, and then I turned around and went and saw the third show. All by myself. <laughs> Which Sherry thinks is really sad, but I no, I was in I heaven. Love by myself. You know, and yeah. it wasn't a great film. It's underrated because it was compared to the classic. Mm. But uh, yeah, Forrest Gump would be up there. Um, there's so many. Mm. You know, this week, 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two yeah, is so much fun. Mm-hmm. It is just if if you want to just shallow popcorn summer movie, it is so fun. But it also has the father son thing going. Kurt Russell plays his dad, Star Lord's dad, and his name is is Ego. <laughs> it's so good. It is so good. There's so much to unpack with the father son thing. We're not going to do that today, though. We're going to talk more about Brad Pitt. I, I, sh- I should have prepared. Speaking of Brad Pitt, I should have prepared years ago. I haven't done it in a while, but I had mastered the Brad Pitt laugh. And anyone who's ever seen a Brad Pitt movie oh. knows he has such a distinct laugh. And I, I could hear nail that. it. I can could you do nail it. it. Can I try wouldn't it. try. Try it. Well, you really? I can't even think. Well, I can't. You know how you know impression is. You can't. You got to think it in your head, and then you can do it. And I can't really even. I can picture him doing. It. I can't think of it in my head. Um, but it was I can one do, of, here's the it only was laugh of, I was, can do. I can do George McFly. <laughs> <laughs> I can do George McFly. That's the only uh, laugh I can really do. But yeah, oh, I nailed the pitch. Everything. It was. It was this big. You know, boisterous. Booming, oh, that's a you know, future laugh. episode. Um, but, Listeners, do you but, not want to hear Austin yeah, do? I'll, I'll Brad work Pitt's on laugh. I, I mean, I, I have my others in private. I have a good Al Pacino. I have a good Christopher Walken. As you, oh, you've, heard you've got a great Christopher Walken. <laughs> I do. I used to have this like I don't know why I, I was I was one time when I was working on on my Christopher Walken I I was there was some Count Dracula like um, <laughs> Count Chocula Count Chocula Count Chocula <laughs> cereal there I don't know why and so I started to think about numbers and um, Christopher Walken so you know I was, I was just kind of looking at the box and did your parents sitting, feed you Count Chocula <laughs> this is this is like I was I'm like an adult at this point okay so I was like sitting what like sitting in my I'm sitting in my kitchen it wasn't my Count Chocula it was my roommates but sitting in this kitchen and I just said well numbers you can count them one two Four, five, three. They're crazy, you know, numbers. Chocolate. And so I just started talking about count chocolate. And then it went from there. And then the Al Pacino had this joke with it um, that I heard one time. Um, Oh, how does it go? Uh, It was this this joke that uh, that he would totally tell. Um, Oh. Skeleton walks into a bar where there's a bee on a mop. That's it. It's, it's the dumbest joke. That's great. Skeleton walks into a bar and boy, there's a bee on a mop. Okay, thanks, Al. That's good. Anyway, so the, the, yeah, going on with Brad Pitt, um, those are my impressions. Um, Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, You're Christopher Walker. Frank Avignale. <laughs> Frank That's Avignale. a great movie. That is is that Robert movie. Zemeckis, too? Is that, that is Robert Zemeckis. Or is that, is that Spielberg? Ah, that... Boy, I am embarrassed to say that you threw me off there. I I, uh, I think it's Spielberg. I just want to say it's Spielberg. Or is it Hanks? I think it's a Hanks movie, isn't it? No. He no. didn't direct that? No. Hanratty. Detective oh, Kyle. He Detective plays. Kyle Hanratty. <laughs> Hanratty. Oh, I love that. Oh, uh, I love his accent. No. Why do the Yankees always win the World Series? Was it Mickey Mantle? No, because of the pinstripes. Everyone can, can't look at the stop looking at the pinstripes. Remember that? That's a great. <laughs> That's a great lot. It's great. Anyway, anyway we digress. Yeah. Uh, so kick us off here. Let's delve into this. I'm fascinated I, by I this can't, article. I can't remember what I have talked to myself about and what I've said. Did I? Did I tell you the Churchill quote? 
or did I imagine you told, it in my head? You, you, I did tell you that. You told okay. me that. So <laughs> I can imagine so, things all the time. But, but your 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 uh, thoughts were so not. The, this is your thoughts were not recorded on audio. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I was just thinking to myself. Um, they're asking him about. Uh, they're talking about the paparazzi and. Uh, and they, and they, when they ask him, because it's kind of about his life and the narrative of his life, they ask him, would you write a book? No, he wouldn't, he said. Well, and he said, well, don't you worry about the narrative others write for you. He said, what did Winston Churchill say? History will be kind to me. I know because I'll write it myself. He says, I don't really care about protecting the narrative. I know people who love me, the people who love me, and that's enough for me. And so in this, in this crazy, just, just hurricane of his life, his has has happened. He's just, he's, he, he, he has let go of even the, the, uh, the worth of, of others' opinions about him the, uh, and what they mean to him. It's wow. amazing. And it's an, again, that's amazing. This whole he's interview. in an industry that's all about opinion. Yeah. Subjective yeah. opinion. And, you know, in, you know, and on the other side of that, that may be why he bashes Christianity because he's in a, you know, if you, if you in any way support Christianity in that industry, you I mean, you're ruined, you know, but, um, I think it's another throughout this whole interview you see, you see these just you know large and small testaments to somehow he's found a peace within all this that um, it, it has not just appeared you know so it's a, so it's what has he done that that um, that he's able to live with this you know it's that freedom of brokenness it's the freedom of finding your bottom mm-hmm. it's when you go. When you find your bottom, there's a freedom that you're not trying to prop yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. You've relinquished that. So mm-hmm. that's why more the more we come to accept ourselves, as we all are, as powerless over our lives truthfully, we gain more freedom. Mm-hmm. Simple equation. He... Uh... Part of this interview made me think of, for those of you Russian um, classic literature lover, lovers out there, I know there's, there's, I'm a, sure lot, there's a lot, lot of, of review out there. Are, are uh, I'm there, I'm there with you. Fiction literature. <laughs> Can I get an amen for Dostoevsky? Um, no, that's the, the truth. Brothers care. <laughs> um, he he says something that that reminds me of uh, Tolstoy's novel that actually. And how I got thinking about this was um, in the five on five. You talk about David Brooks, who wrote the Road to Character, of the book. Mm-hmm. Great book. If you want, if you have a problem with taking direction from the Gospels of how to live a well, a, a healthy life, you can read the Road to Character, and 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 that is basically a directory of how to which be is a, a series great of person. biographies mm-hmm. of people. Phenomenal. How to just how to be a great person. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, he ta- in it. He he mentions at one point in it. The Death of Ivan Ilich, a Leo Tolstoy novel, novella um, that Tolstoy wrote when he converted to Christianity and sold all of his possessions and hung out with the poor. Um, he was a, had a flair for dramatics. But um, Ivan Ilich was this very wealthy man, had everything, got sick on his deathbed, and he regrets his entire life and discovers what life is about. So there's a part in this where Brad really... He, that hits it, hits it for him as well. He said uh, in the interview, I'm personally very retarded when it comes to taking an inventory of my emotions. I'm much better at covering up. I grew up with a father knows best slash war mentality. The father is all powerful, super strong, 
instead of really knowing the man in his own self-doubt and struggles. And it's hit me smack in the face with our divorce. I gotta be more, I gotta be more for them. I have to show them and I haven't been great at it. He says, and so the interviewer asked him, what makes sense now? What keeps you going? He said, it's family first. People on their deathbeds don't talk about what they've attained or what they've been rewarded. They talk about their loved ones or their regrets. That seems to be on the menu. I say that as someone who has let the work take me away from them. Kids are so delicate. They absorb everything. They need to have their hand held and things explained. They need to be listened to. When I get in that busy work mode, I'm not hearing. And I want to be better at that. And this is coming from a guy that he's not sure if he's going to get a shot at that. Wow. It's, not, it's, it's <clears throat> up on the air still for him. Wow. You mentioned David Brooks. Every listener read his delineation of eulogy virtues versus resume virtues. That's where he mentions Dial Eulich. That's where, that's where yeah, he mentions it. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, resume virtues are not bad. They're the things that impress the world, the things we achieve in this world that impress the world. You, you, you become one of the more famous actors of all time. There's nothing wrong with that. That's impressive. But at the end of your life, what you're really going to care about are your eulogy virtues. Those are the things that people, your children, your spouse talks about and says he was compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient. All those things matter. We freak out and spend most of our lives investing in the resume virtues. Mm-hmm. The second half of life typically is devoted to the eulogy virtues. And the quicker you can get to orienting your life around building a character that is eulogy virtue expressive, the more quickly you're going to have a rich, peaceful existence. And that's exactly what he's talking about there. Um, And it's not too late. It's never too late. Mm -hmm. The last quote I want to share from this interview is the most just woof quote. I mean, it, it, uh, the interviewer is, is, is asking about his new movie coming out and the typical interview questions. He is asking about War Machine. It's a movie that's coming out on Netflix this month, I believe. And, um, it looks really good. It's a war movie. Hmm. And, um, he was he great. Plays a general or something. It sounds like Fury. He was great in Fury. I'm fine if they make Fury too. Yeah. Especially if Shia LaBeouf's in it. Um, but, so they, they're asking about his work and he's talking about how, he speaks about how acting is just a very, if it was, if it was life was a pie chart, it's a very, very sl- small slice of, of um, on the pie. Um, mostly that probably comes from because he's a very successful actor who doesn't really have to do a lot of work each year. He's gotten to that point in his career where he, you know, he has a contract from his agent that says, you know, if you want Brad Pitt in your movie, you have to pay $40 million and those only come around, you know a month out of the year, probably, wow. you know, um, but anyway, he, d- he doesn't see, you know, himself, uh, as, as an actor as being a big part of his identity anymore. But so they asked this question about his career and they're talking about his successes and his failures. And it comes to this point, the interviewer says, do you see yourself as having been successful? Now the whole interview, Brad Pitt has given these very thoughtful, very personal, Detailed, detailed, yeah, expansive, expansive, detailed explanations of 
of, of, of what his reasoning for things and how they've turned out with his family and all this. I mean, they, they break down how he feels about the court proceedings coming up and what that's going to be like. I mean, he's, he's open book. He's open book. Huge answers, expansive answers. Do you see yourself as having been as successful? I wish I could just change my name. That's all he says. I wish I could just change my name. And that's toward the end of the interview when they round it up. Um, What's he saying there? What's behind that answer? The obvious, some anonymity. That's the obvious, that, that there's probably some degree of anonymity desire there that he's totally lost. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think there is a, there's a more privacy there. thing, obviously, that we yeah. can't even fathom. I, I, parts of me empathizes because um, I never, growing up, I never, I, I realized very quickly when people looked at me or acknowledged me, they weren't looking at me or acknowledging me. They're acknowledging who my mother or father was. Um, yeah, we we grew up. You're in a small town, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I yeah. understand to a degree. But you know, there's lots, so there's there's a privacy part to him. He's all and he's and he's and he's and he's mentioned this facade that he's created. This that he can't that he this point in his life, the second half of life that he's in, is about embracing what is made him, which is his mistakes, and being okay with that. Um, but I think what we see in that, what I hear in that quote, is he's doing all these these things that are very much twelve step work. You know, um, he's taking this inventory of emotions and impressions made upon his life. Owning he's, his side of the street. Side of the street. He's, he's accepting his weaknesses. He's making amends, not just by saying sorry, but a real amends of what can I do to amend this situation. I am offering my services to amend this in whatever way I can. Financially, emotionally, you know, relationally, how can I amend this? He's doing everything that really is laid out in this 12 steps, except the one crucial ingredient that... Um, is mentioned in chapter four of the We Agnostics. It's chapter two, the We Agnostics, um, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that chapter talks about we have tried everything. Life has been marshaled by our self-will, and it has failed us. Therefore, and I love how the, the big book states that it. it's 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 very it's kind of sarcastic, and it says that statement: our life marshaled by our self-will alone has failed us. Period. Obviously. Period. <laughs> Oh, but it, it, it goes on. So it says, so we had to find a different way. Who would that be? You know, it's asking the question, is that going to be a person? Is that going to be a job? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And, and it's very smart how they state it. And they said, so obviously we need to, to find a power greater than ourselves to restore our sanity. So this comes after chapter four. It's really breaking down after step one where we admit we are powerless over as it's in the big book, alcohol and lives become unmanageable. We admit we are powerless over this thing. And as a result, marshaled by our self-will, it's become unmanageable. But when it gets to the agnostics chapter, so now what are we going to do with that? Because the truth doesn't really set you free. It just makes your life really painful and really complicated mm-hmm. unless you act upon the truth. Mm-hmm. And in these huge truths about human condition and, and what makes us in our pain and our shame, they, 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 they destroy us unless we have something to go there with us, something that someone whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light and who's someone who offers rest. So what I hear in Brad Pitt's story is it's not written yet. It's, it's not finished yet. There's, there's something there that life is, is, is about, no matter who you are, what you're going through, the birth of a child, death of a child, it's about when you, how long is it going to take you to hit your knees? How long is it going to take? Yeah. 
And what we're hitting our knees to is this person who said, you know, come to me all who are weary. My burden is light, my yoke is easy. And and without that crucial, crucial ingredients, it doesn't matter how thoroughly you do the, the other 11 steps, but until you become open to the idea that there might be a power greater than myself that can restore my thinking. And I make a choice to, as I know him today, as I understand him today, that 2%, I'm going to decide, not have a feeling from faith, but decide to explore faith and turn my will and my life over to the care of him as I understand him. Hmm. That is what I see in that quote is I, you know, I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm changing, but there's just something else left and I don't have an identity as a result of that. Exactly. And boy, I can't imagine the loss of identity. We could go Mm. into that, this losing your identity and all that paparazzi embedded reality and you just become someone else three months out of the year for the last 30 years you of your do. life i mean just I mean, like, <laughs> you got to be a little weird to do that for a living mm-hmm. because you you have to enter into these characters and identity i know from just my slim little experience in being a lead fish in a small pond how easy it is to to lose your sense of of just not being that persona that people see mm-hmm. you know to, just you know, staying connected, staying anchored is even for me in my little existence is, is, is a challenge. I, I love what you're saying. And I will go back to his imagery of there comes that point that he used. I think we mentioned in the last show of stripping down the drywall, getting the brick and mortar, getting the brick, going down to the foundation and, to me, this is where it just makes sense. He said, I am the cornerstone, Jesus said. I'm, so I'm the where you start your foundation. You, you, you build on that. He said, wise people build their houses on rock. Hmm. Not on sand, not on the sands of shifting human wisdom, but on the rock. So when he, that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And what he's saying there is, if you were smart, you'd make me your foundation. So you can strip it all down, but at the end of the day, you're at some point, what's my foundation? Mm. And that's where you know, his tr- the Christ transcendent wisdom it serves every purpose and every arena of life to build a solid foundation. And I I believe you're right, without that, we we are subject to the shifting sands of not just other people's opinions, but ours, our, mm-hmm. our emotions are, you know, instead of, I got this foundation, I am a beloved child of God with supreme value and worth just as I am today. Mm-hmm. That's why I think we find rest and why Christ said that in Matthew 11, that come to me and you'll find rest is that we don't have to search for that foundation anymore. It's, it's so huge. Cause I even look at, is even his altruism. What's the foundation of that? Because if you have no eternal foundation, even feeding the hungry in Africa, you're wallpapering the Titanic. That's important, mm-hmm. but what's the foundation of that? I mean, why, why, why are you doing that in a transcendent way? Well, that to me, that affects how I do everything. It's not, I'm not just rearranging the furniture on the Titanic here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving people a solid foundation forever. That's why our mission at our church is to help de-church skeptics, of which Brad Pitt would 
mm-hmm. certainly qualify, live like Jesus forever. Mm-hmm. The, the intentionality of that, it's a, it's a forever foundation. I think, I think in, that, in that mission statement is, is not just future, but it's also present. That's and, right. You know, in that in Jesus said not just become to give come to give grace and hope for our so, you know, we're not damned to hell, but that we have meaning. You know, as I've said before, my life used to be so stressful because it was so meaningless and now my life is so stressful because it's so meaningful. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I was it was it was around Easter and I was talking with a, a coworker of mine, Tyler Ash, and um, we got into a discussion of of Aaron Hernandez and his death and and, I, and basically, it started with I believe, and this is I, it might be offensive, but I, I feel like I have a right to say it because I've, I've 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 been there. That suicide is a very logical, unselfish thing to do. That in my in my feeling in that time, it is it makes a lot of sense. And and Aaron Hernandez, if there is no eternal truth, if there are actually bones of a Nazarene somewhere in Israel, and it was a hoax by a couple of redneck fishermen and a prostitute. Yeah. If you're miserable, don't suffer. Kill exit, yourself. Exit, because, yeah, all you are is food for worms anyway. Yeah. I mean, and, and so, and, 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 our, and our co-worker was saying, no, I think I'd still live, kind of, I'd still try to live a good life. I was like, well, why would you want to? I mean, when, when there is ecstasy out there, why wouldn't you take a handful of ecstasy Absolutely. at that point? You know, eat, drink, and, t- and be merry for tomorrow we die. Mm. Oh, if, if, if they discover those bones someday... It's every man for himself in my it book. Is. I mean, because frankly, we're here very briefly, and and I obviously you save yourself some scars if you live altruistically. You build good favor, but it at least makes sense to mix mix it with a lot of narcissistic expression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just it just makes sense when people just focus on their house and their car and their career. I don't ever feel judgmental of people like that because that's what they have. Mm-hmm. That's that's their identity. I don't I understand that. Mm-hmm. If if this Christ reality wasn't a reality to me, I get that. Mm-hmm. Live in the best house you can and you know, damn the torpedoes so at that your, point. So there's your question is is you know, as we talked about, we have time for this, right? Did you yeah. talk about this a little bit? Um I've never seen someone be great at something and 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 not suffer from it. Even Brad Pitt talks about in the interview, you can't love and loss come together. You know, they everything has a cost. And if you want to be a great actor, you're not going to be a great person probably. And everything got, the general population would so agree focus, Brad Pitt so is much, great at what he does. Yeah. He's great at what maybe interview with a vampire was not his best work, but you know, he is great at what he does. And Michael Jordan, you read the unbelievable biography about Michael Jordan is called The Life. He is an awful individual coming across, when you read that, I don't, I don't mean to sound condemning, but you read that and just say, that not just morally, that like, not even from a Christian perspective, but just from a, just from a human perspective, that he, he's a not a nice guy, not a nice person. He's, he's, he's not malicious, he's well-intentioned, he's doing the best he can with what he has been taught. And he's it's, and it's not working. Tiger Woods, Steve Jobs, you know the, all these people that are just, you know, uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, you know, it just like you just hear things about them. They just are very, very sad individuals. Be, and I don't think it's this lack of 
just, you know, narrow it down to some Christian lack of Jesus thing, but what is, what is their identity? What is their priority value objective in life has been to be great at something. But so can you be great at, you don't, they're, they're, you don't see like the, the Johnny Depp, you know, being a Christian that doesn't, you don't see that. Why don't you see that? Why don't you see Kobe Bryant being a Christian? Why don't you see Alex Rodriguez as a Christian? Like, why, why don't these things happen? I don't think they can. They not coexist. Yeah, you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. So, in other words, there, the sense of self has to be so large to build world class resume virtues that there's no room to fit that sense of self into the rule of God, mm. which is which is a stooping of some sort. It's a falling on your knees of some sort. It's a relinquishing of the ego and the self at some level. And those two are very, very difficult to make compatible. That's why we touched upon on, on LeBron last week says of him being the greatest athlete of all time, because he is, as of right now, he is the one person that is, has been exempt from those, those personal failures, those moral failures, those, those um, just off the court, you know, um, tragedies really. And yeah. if he, and if he gets, as you said, you know, um, you know, what you, uh, what you, what you said earlier before we, you know, we started here, Oh, how did, how did you word that? Well, if he avoids a major personal moral catastrophe and <clears throat> the decision to go to Miami and how he handled it is the worst thing that happens to him in terms of his career, he'll, I think he'll go down as the greatest American sportsman ever because of the class. He lives in dangerous territory. He has grown up being called the king his whole life. I cannot imagine the large sense of self that and I, does and, come and out. Granted, I have heard a lot of stories about him being, That's right. when you're not on his side. That's right. He's That's not right. very, he's brutal. But, but in this game, in this culture, he's way ahead. Mm-hmm. There is an innate struggle of self there, but there is also a goodness there that I hope eventuates in his breaking the curve of resume virtues to an extreme world-class level tend to blot out. There's never been an athlete virtues. that's come before and said, yeah, you can, you, you can put my face on that. You can put my name on that, Nike. But while you're giving me $90 million, you're going to build three schools in Akron. Deal? Right. <laughs> like, no one said yeah. that before. No, I, that's I, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You know? Can you be successful in resume virtues and be good? It's a great question for you to think about. We're glad you joined us for this show, this episode of Chucked, and we look forward to next week.